Well, hello, dealmakers. Welcome to the show where it's all about financial freedom with real estate. Speaking of dealmaking, we have Dealmaker Live coming up July 16 to 17. It's going to be in Dallas at the Hilton Anatole. So tickets are on sale right now at dealmakerliveevent.com. So excited to be there in person. We'll practice you know, some social distance. We want to be safe for everyone. We also have a live stream option as well. So make sure you join us for this fantastic event. Really looking forward to it. We got Brandon Turner, Joe Fairless. Uh, we have a really cool MC there as well. And uh, we're really going to talk about doing deals, doing first deals, scaling, raising capital, everything there's around multifamily syndication. I want to do a, a quick shout out also to two, well, three students actually, Savannah and Lupe uh, Arroyo, two mentoring students that are working with Brad Tasha. They did their first deal. It was a 24 year, uh, unit building in Myrtle Creek, Oregon. And they brought in another student of, of ours, Victor Morales, who was working with Matt Bronner. Shout out to all you guys. Our mentors are full-time syndicators and they're working with students and they're doing their first deals or joint venturing. And uh, so shout out for you guys. Uh, really proud of uh, what they're doing in the program. If you want to check out our mentoring program, check it out at themichaelblank.com forward slash mentor. You can set up a strategy session and see if mentoring is right for you as well. So uh, before we get into the show here with Justin Donald, oh my gosh, I'm so excited about uh, his 10 commandments of lifestyle investing. Just so excited. Let's bring in our co-host, Garrett Lynch. What's going on, Garrett? What's going on, Michael? How you doing? So you're in, in Atlanta right now because we have a new deal under contract, which is super, super exciting. And one of the things we've had yeah. to do recently, which is really irritating, and, and I basically had a, it took a hard line in the sand at one point, we are not doing this, and now we're doing it, which is we're putting a, a EMD down hard, meaning that on day one, there's a deposit, which is typically in the six figures, that if things don't go well, we basically lose this money. Now, talk to me, Garrett. What is your first of all, what is your opinion about doing that? Is that something that you suggest for the average person? Uh, what is your feeling about this? Yeah, so as far as hard, we're talking about hard earnest money. <laughs> so I was the same way, actually. For for a while, I was like, you know what? I don't want to do that. That's silly. It's risky. It doesn't make any sense. We could lose the money. And unfortunately, what's happened in the market is now everybody's doing it. And so I would say it's gotten really bad as far as, you know, even in 2020, uh, really in 2019 is when it really kicked off. Depends on what markets you're in and who, what the market is. Each one is a little bit different, but, you know, now it's, it's kind of like one of those things where you just, if you want to play ball with the big boys, you got to play ball. And that's just part of, of what happens is you got to put up hard money. Now, if you're doing it, you want to make sure you lower your risk in that so you can always start with a smaller amount of money. You can try to have an access agreement. So you get access to the property beforehand. The one thing I always do is try to negotiate in the PSA risk mitigation factors like no polybutylene, no aluminum wiring, stuff like that. Mm -hmm. If we find any of those things that would be like a deal killer, try to put it in the PSA so that worst case scenario, if you do find that stuff, you can get out and get your money back. May or may not happen, but... Listen, it's just the game that we're playing these days. And, and uh, you know, you, you got to play if you want to make these deals happen, unfortunately. Yeah, that's, uh, that's, that's true. It's a reality. We just have to modify the way that we get into deals to reduce the risk of something. In fact, you're in Atlanta right now just to check it out you know, before or, or actually EMD does, does go hard, which also requires to do more work than you normally would, sometimes even before you go under contract. Typically, that's, that's the case to mitigate that. So yes, you're doing more work, but you're also mitigating it and you're getting into the, into the deal. 
So yeah, that's awesome, man. So let's pivot to, to our, our guest today. His name is Justin Donald. Now, Entrepreneur Magazine calls him the Warren Buffett of lifestyle investing. And he's really all about low risk cash flow investing. How do you do it? What are some of the strategies? How do you structure deals? How do you go about doing it? That's what we're going to talk about here um, on the show. In fact, he put out a book called The Lifestyle Investor, and he's got a podcast with the same name. And we're going to go over the 10 commandments of cash flow investing. And uh, let's with that, let's get right in the show with Justin Donald. You're listening to the Apartment Building Investing Podcast, where we'll talk about all aspects of buying apartment buildings with a special focus on raising money from others. And now, your hosts. Michael Block. Justin, welcome to the show, my man. It's been it's been a minute. It has. Thanks for having me. I'm excited to hang with both you guys. And it's it's fun to be just reacquainted again after uh, you know, a number of years of of not catching up as much. Just so you guys, just so the audience kind of knows, Justin and I actually go way back, probably like 12, 14 years back. I was like a, a sales rep uh, in college, paying my way through college selling Cutco knives. And Justin was like the, the ideal, you were the manager first, then the division manager for this company. And uh, you were the guy everyone wanted to be. And I was like on the come up type situation, but we were both doing well. And so we, we ended up in uh, a, a country, we ended up in Aruba together <laughs> on, a, on a company trip, like way, way back in the day. And so Justin was always like this, this figure that I just always admired and always looked up to. He was successful, really, even way back then, just just absolutely crushing it. And so, what happened was I left the the company, and then we just kind of I think we just kind of went and did our own thing. I got into real estate, and I started my whole journey on that path. And Justin started a very different journey that I had I had not heard about. And we recently connected a couple of weeks ago, and we we found something interesting because the company we worked for before. It was very like progressive in they, they would always build you up. There was always a promotion around it. So you sold, you sold really well, they put you on a stage. And that was like something that existed a lot. And I th- I feel like we both kind of did the same thing and we became recluses uh, to a degree, somewhat after that. We're like, man, there was so much promotion, like all these things hitting me all the time. I don't want to be known for anything anymore. <laughs> I just want to like make money and like do me, right? And so it's funny because all this time we were kind of doing our own thing behind the scenes and Justin resurfaced like a couple maybe like a year or two ago and I heard about it. And then obviously with this, this amazing book that he just came out with and we're like, you know what? It kind of feels good to be back in the limelight. I've been in co-hosting with Michael, obviously. And so when we connected, you know, recently it was really special to me because it seems like we had in different ways taken some kind of similar paths and now we're reconnected and now we get to have this amazing interview. So Justin, so excited. Couldn't be more excited to have you here, man. Tell us what you've been up to. Sure. Well, first of all, thanks for the kind words, Garrett. And you know, it's great that we've been able to reconnect because I have so many fond memories of our time together and, and uh, we didn't get a chance to, to work directly in the same division, but man, we had a lot of exchanges and, and, you know, I, I can relate on so many levels because you know, in your younger years, I think ego is a lot more important than it is in, you know, your older years. And I do know that that served me really well in that stage of my life, you know, getting recognition and being built up for the things that I was able to do. But you're right, you know, at a certain point, I just wanted to kind of be quiet, 
do my own thing, not let people necessarily in and know all the things that I'm doing. And especially as my success in investing grew, it was nice to just not be in the limelight and for no one to know about it. There's something refreshing about that because there's no expectations and you can just kind of, you know, show up as you are. But at the same time, I have a message of what I have done to create the success and the lifestyle that I have that I do feel that the world needs to hear. And that way, anyone that feels like they want to take action, they have a blueprint to be able to follow. But really, the genesis for me of getting this info out, I decided I was going to make a book in dedication and honor of my daughter. And I just wanted her as she grows up, she's only eight, but I wanted her to have a piece of, you know, the successes that I've had and the lessons that I've had along the way in case anything ever happened to me. So that really is kind of the genesis of this whole lifestyle investor brand in the book and the podcast and, you know, the mastermind and so on and so forth. What's the, uh, what's the book about, Justin? Give us a little 60 second summary of what the book's about. Sure. So the, the book is called The Lifestyle Investor. And then the, the subtitle is The Ten Commandments of Cash Flow Investing for Passive Income and Financial Freedom. And it's really my 10 criteria for how I invest. It's to me the most important things that I look for. So instead of getting emotional about an investment decision, I think that's a horrible way to make a decision because of scarcity or because of that it needs to get done in a quick period of time, just the turnaround that it's going to go away, that it's going to fill up. Like I just, that's just not a good way to invest. And so I wanted some criteria that I could say yes or no to. And when they're satisfied, it makes sense. And so I just kind of analyzed my deals over time. And uh, I really wanted to create a blueprint for people that they can do life differently than maybe what they know. Most people work for someone else. At some point, they start their own job or business or you know investment company, whatever it is. But that business doesn't scale well without them. And so they become a slave of that business. And my goal is to teach people how to buy their time back and how to buy assets that produce income so that their time doesn't have to. It can but it doesn't have to. And you know, my goal in this is I, I, I stopped wanting to be a slave to many things. I mean, there are a lot of things people are a slave to. Security, the lifestyle you've become accustomed to, the ego that maybe you have being a business owner and the things that you can do, whatever that is, I just didn't want that anymore in my life. And when I was able to break free of it, I just had all these really cool awakenings and moments. And I just had so much room to think and I wanted to be able to offer my path to other people to be able to share. Justin, how did you figure out this stuff? Because obviously, a lot of people would love to have that, but you actually took action and you figured out how to do it. What steps did you take? How did you arrive here? Well, when I grew up, I didn't have a lot of people around me that I would call successful in the business world. I had plenty of people that were successful in relationships. Uh, successful in fitness, but not entrepreneurship, not investing, not financial. And so I knew I needed to seek that out. And, you know, even at the company that we both worked at, it was a great company and we did some amazing things. And the opportunity to earn income 
was really strong there. But, you know, people there weren't modeling the lifestyle that I wanted or modeling a way to earn income that is independent of your time. And so I knew first and foremost, I had to get people like that in my life. And so it started out just with books. You know, I I would find authors that spoke on topics that made sense to me, like Robert Kiyosaki. You know, he'd be a great one. I mean, there are tons of them that, that I've read over the years. Tony Robbins, I think, does a great job with some of his financial books. And there's just so many lessons and nuggets that I was able to take with those. And as I started getting excited to learn this content, I would find other people that were excited and we would be able to spend time together and talk about it. And and that really was my path into a peer group that really aspired to do these things and was living it. And so part of it was peer group. Part of it was having a mentor that had done the thing I wanted to do. And I just would copy him because I didn't know how to do it. So I didn't want to reinvent anything. I just wanted to do what someone else has had success with. And maybe I can do it better. Maybe I do it worse, but I'm at least going to probably be okay if I follow someone else's successful blueprint. Justin, what is a lifestyle investor? Describe this person, this, this ideal investor. Sure. Yeah. A lifestyle investor is someone that is able to live the life that they desire, one that's intentional, one that is purposeful, one that is not uh, living reactionary and, and on autopilot, you know, just putting out problems and, and showing up the way that they always show up. It's someone that is intentionally living a life that they design, that they're excited and passionate about, and being able to do it with assets that produce cash flow. So they don't have to create money from spending time. And if they want to, they can, and they can figure out what that's worth to them. But it's focusing on how do you have a lifestyle that can be family focused and you can focus on your passions and focus on things that you're good at and that you enjoy uh, for extra education that maybe you want that you didn't get. Whatever it is, just focusing on a life that you would be inspired to live and not have anything that change you or pulls you away from it, change you to something else or pulls you away from the thing that you could be doing. It's interesting because I have obviously a bit of a similar message from my book, which is financial freedom with, with real estate. And I'm wondering, and, and, and clearly the message is financial freedom, but it's, it's actually a means to an end. Same thing with investing. A lifestyle investor is a means to an end. The end is actually, and I'd like to hear your thought on this, is, is it's a stepping stone to empowering someone to live a life of purpose, of intention, of passion, right? Because I have found in talking to people, it's very difficult sometimes for someone to do that when they're working 55 hours a week. Talk to us about, you know, in what ways you think that people, most people's lives get in the way of their purpose. Yeah, I think most people are so busy, they don't carve out the time to actually decide what they want to do, what they want their year to look like, let alone their, you know, week. So I feel like people are in this world of busy. And the harder I work, the more I can make, or I can put in more hours to, to make what I need to make. But it's, it's like it's go, go, go mentality. And I feel most people don't slow down to kind of capture what it is that they want. So my experience has been people are really clear about what they don't want in life, but very few people are clear on what they do want. And so drilling down and figuring that out, you know, to me is the most important thing because it's going to steer your life. And I agree with you that the, the financial freedom, you know, that, that's a means to an end that, that allows you to do things that you want to do. And it's, it's really an exciting thing. But once you have it, it's not like 
you keep feeling this feeling, you know, it's more like the journey that gets you there and accomplishing what you need to accomplish to get there. Uh, because once you have it, it's kind of done. And then really it becomes a, a game, you know, how can I get to this level? How can I do that? And so for me, I love having my, you know, mastermind and my private clients because I'm coaching them on how to accomplish it. So that feeling doesn't end, you know, for, for me, it was, once I had it, it was like this uh, weight was lifted off my shoulders. First of all, once I covered my bare minimum expenses, just what it cost me to survive, not my lifestyle, just what it cost me to survive. That was like a weight lifted off. Like I don't have to work but I can, I get to work. And then when lifestyle income was covered, you know, what does it cost me to live on a monthly basis? And that's covered by passive income. That's a whole new level of just this feeling of self-satisfaction and enjoyment. And that's when everything else can kind of disappear and you can, you know, really make life what you want it to be. Yeah. So Justin, so you, you started out covering your expenses for your lifestyle. Where did you start? with that? And then how did you kind of pivot that in other vehicles? Like what, what were the other vehicles you looked at? Sure. Well, like you guys, I also started in real estate and I love real estate. I'm a huge fan of real estate. Uh, and in fact, I went into, you know, multifamily in a different way. I, I pursued mobile home parks. Um, I had uh, a friend, so we were going to start this company that was a single family home company, just buying up, you know, rentals. And we decided to pivot to mobile home parks. Well, at first I should say I was kind of like, wait a minute, you know, one of my friends wants to do this. And I'm like, are you sure we want to do this? Like maybe we should stick to, to homes, just single family homes. That just sounds like a better path. But the more I researched it, the more I got into it, the more I met people in the space, I realized that the cash flow is incredible. The cap rate that you can buy them at is astronomical. And it's just, I mean, it's, it's like an asset class like no other from my experience. And so uh, I was able to buy a lot of units for what I would call a, a relatively inexpensive amount. And so that was the beginning. You know, I bought my first park that replaced my wife's income so she could stop teaching. And we had our daughter, you know, right at that time. And so she was able to stay home and, and kind of do things the way that she wanted to do them. But it was cool just buying one property or one park with multiple units. And all of a sudden, cash flow showed up day one and uh, my wife didn't have to work. So that's powerful. And then we just kept compounding from there. So, you know, I bought uh, a couple more that, you know, the next one really got us to our minimum for what it cost us to survive. Then I bought another one and that one covered what our lifestyle income was. And then I bought a couple more and that kind of created all this extra cash flow that I had to figure out what to do with. So to answer your second question, uh, you know, Garrett, with, with having the extra cash flow, I had to place it somewhere. So it either goes to accelerating your lifestyle, kind of, you know, stepping up and, and doing other things, or it could go to other investments. And for me, I felt like I had a really good life. Like I, there wasn't other stuff that I needed. And, you know, to me, material stuff isn't that big of a deal anyway. Like I, I love experiences and I like to spend money and, and strengthen relationships. So, you know, travel and dining and hanging out with people. I mean, that's how I like to spend it. I don't need stuff. I'd rather just be with people. But when I had this extra cash flow, it's like, okay, well, now I have to place it because this is coming in every month. And so I decided I wanted to kind of diversify out of mobile home parks. And, you know, I started investing in other type of real estate. I've invested in every type of real estate that you can think of probably unless it's super obscure. 
And uh, some of this I did directly. Some of this I did through syndications. Some of this I did through funds. So love it. Yeah, I, I love it as well. So, so here's the thing. I mean, the, the, the path you're describing it, for someone uh, to get to get into active investing because you're you're trying to generate that income to cover your living expenses, and then you have excess that you invest. Now we have passive investors who come to us who are high income earners. And they also have higher expenses, but they actually have money to invest. So they kind of skip the active step because they don't feel they don't really need to do it. And that's right. I mean, if you have an excess of $100,000, dollars $300,000 to invest every single year because you're making a half a million, you know, where they have that same problem you had. And so a lot of people get into that situation. They're getting into that I quadrant, right, by becoming an active entrepreneur first. And we see that we see that a lot. Now I'd be curious because you've you've done this for your for yourself and and you've studied this through a mentor and through experience. Walk us through some of your ten commandments. You have these ten commandments of lifestyle investing. So I'd I'd love to hear these, Justin. Share these ten commandments of lifestyle investing. Sure. Yeah. So I, I can you know start out with the first one, which is pretty simple. It's it's lifestyle first. And so I don't want to invest in a way that's going to take my time. You know, at a certain point in life you are willing to spend time to have a better return. And some people, maybe that's the way that they start is they do some real estate that they own themselves. They're going to spend more time doing it. They'll likely get a better return. But at a certain point, they'll probably weigh, is that time really worth the extra return? Or would I rather you know, invest with someone like you, Michael, and, and have you do everything from an institutional standpoint, you know, from, from a you manage all the, the properties and you do everything and I just invest money in, into you know, your syndication. Well, in that case, you spend less time doing it and you get a lesser return, but it likely can still be just as good of a return as you need, especially if you find the right deals. And, and so to me, it's about figuring out that lifestyle component. I want to invest in a way that strengthens my relationships, that strengthens my time for being able to create wealth. And when I think of wealth, I think of health, I think of relationships, I think of impact, purpose. You know, Of course, finances are part of it, but it's not the only part of it. And so Lifestyle First really supports all those other things. And, and so that's why I kind of start there with commandment one. So Lifestyle First meaning, is that, does, that, does, that require, like, does that require kind of a clarity about what you want? Is that kind of a step where you're trying to create what you want and what lifestyle you want? Yeah. I mean, there's, there's definitely clarity that, you know, that happens. So, you know, in my book, in this section, I have something called a freedom vision. And I, uh, my goal is to coach people into creating this vision, this compelling vision of the future of what your life could look like. And by using cues and prompts and, and things like that, that help people see, you know, Hey, what do I want? Do I want freedom of time? And how so? How specifically do I want freedom of, of impact and of purpose? Do I want freedom of, you know, relationships? Do I want freedom of being able to spend as freely as I want to be able to spend and do whatever trips I want to do? So I feel like you got to get clear on what it is you want out of life to figure out what you're going to do to support those goals. So you start, you start with lifestyle first, all right, figure out what you want. Then what do you do? And then the next commandment, which is number two, is to reduce the risk. So for me, I think it's so important to not lose money. When you lose money, you got to work twice as hard, even more than twice as hard. If you lose half your money, you got to work twice as hard to make that back. And you forever lost the opportunity cost of what that money could make you. So that one to me is imperative. So whatever I need to do, I want deals. I, I'm not looking for the biggest return. I'm looking for deals that are the most protected with a good return. 
Yeah, I love that because yeah. I, I already, I'm sorry, I already violated both your first uh, commandments in my in my previous life because I wasn't clear about what what I wanted. So I subsequently, I uh, started flipping houses, which is like the dumbest thing ever. There's nothing passive around that at all. And I was not literally clear, intentional about what I wanted. And then number two, I definitely did not look at reducing the risk. Not on the house flipping side. I felt pretty good around that. But I got into the restaurant business. And I'm personally signing leases, guaranteeing them. My wife's signing. You know, my dog's signing. All my kids are signing. What can possibly go wrong? So I already see your book would have saved me millions already. <laughs> What's the third commandment? <laughs> yeah, I mean, it, it's so funny because there's so many ways that you can just negotiate simple things in there that can help take, you know, reduce that risk. I mean, that's a good point, though, because that's an important thing about uh, real estate as an asset class. Not all real estate, for example office or retail or even the single family houses, they behave differently than say mobile home parks or multifamily. So, you know, when I was thinking, my gosh, what asset class should I get into? Multifamily always bubbled up. I do like mobile home parks. They're recession proof, just not my style. Uh, Self-storage, I like also, also recession proof, um, but I didn't want to self-manage, right? For, for, for me. But I mean, reducing the risk is uh, super important. For sure. And people don't understand often or don't think they maybe don't think about it this way if you lose dollars after like the dollars you 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 lost you pay tax on those dollars so it's twice as hard to get that money back right and so so you have to work twice as hard just just to get it get anything uh going so you really really don't want to lose that and then you know and and that's even for us on our you know the active investments we do i'm always trying to protect downside risk first and then the upside, you know, hopefully takes care of itself. And so I think that's such a key point, Justin. Awesome. What comes after that? Yeah. So the third one is to find invisible deals. And so that's what I call them because I want opportunities that other people are not fighting after. So if you limit the competition, you generally can get some good prices. Find something off market. You can you know, pay attention to trends that are, are happening in the marketplace. What is hot? What's, what's taking place? What are, you know, like e-commerce is booming and, and things that support e-commerce is, is huge. You know, how do you buy assets that people aren't selling, but you make a good enough offer that they want to sell. So that way, you know, it's just a private transaction done very quietly. I've done many like that. And, you know, you look at all these other kind of like frontier and emerging markets, and I don't want to call like cannabis an emerging market, but it kind of is in the US and the legal side of things. And, and so, you know, I see a lot of opportunity there. You've got cryptocurrency, you've got so many things that are cutting edge. And so I think that people should consider what else? Like technology companies, there's so many, you know, your, your SaaS companies, there's so much that can happen where you're investing in a place where the returns are amplified and multiplied. Yeah, that's amazing. I mean, what we're doing all the time is we try to be the provider of those off-market deals where, you know, we're, so in, a lot of it comes from the, the, as us as operators, we built these deeply seated relationships where we're winning deals and we're seeing deals that no one else can even see or get access to. And so I think what you're talking about on your, your side is you want to align yourself with those people on the passive side, or, or if you have the active experience, obviously, but you're getting in bed with people that already have the, and they have the experience and it allows you to be in a, in a really favorable position when you're coming to the table. And so 
Yeah, most people don't want to actively do it. They don't have the time. They don't have the expertise. So it's best to lean on groups, investors, operators, people that have done it before. And so, you know, maybe you're leaning on people for uh, the actual syndications that they do. Maybe you're leaning on other people for a deal flow that they get. Maybe it's not a syndication, but they just, you know, have their ear to the ground and they they know some things. Or maybe it's part of being in some sort of, of group, mastermind, think tank, whatever. And you have people that are bringing opportunities to the table. I just think it's important to get exposed to as many deals as you can, because that's how you learn. You know, you put your money into a deal, I guarantee you're going to learn more than if you didn't put your money into a deal. And then it's, you know, obviously vetting the operators and investors and making sure that they really do, they, they know what they say they know. In your book, you actually go into to some of the, I mean, I love your book, by the way, it's, it's amazing. But in this chapter, you know, you talk about, because there's an obvious question after that. And I think you, you maybe even go over it in the audio section uh, where you're being interviewed, but how do you find these then, you know, if they're, they're hard to find. So maybe, maybe tell us a little bit about that. How do you even find the invisible deals if they're invisible? Yeah, I'm generally it's relationships. Uh, you know the right people, and they're going to give you access to you know certain deals that you otherwise wouldn't get. So you know even in my ecosystem, there are deals that we negotiate all the time. Uh, we're in the middle of three of them right now, and and these are you know you're not going to find these anywhere else. These are deals that you're going to find because you're part of a community that is actively trying to source deals or actively trying to buy assets or, or, you know, interest in assets. So, I mean, that's one way is just getting to know people that have it. Another way is just getting in the game. I mean, once you're in the game and you start investing, you're going to meet other investors. And a lot of the time there is an opportunity to meet the investors that are in the same investment that you're in. And that is another cool way to find some common ground and some camaraderie with people that have similar interests. So we're not probably going to have time to go through all 10, although they're amazing. And I think it'll work out in it, the benefit of the audience to go actually get Justin's book, check it out to get to all 10 because they are incredible. But that, that said, so you mentioned about getting to, so we got to three and I'm already, I'm already excited. I'm like, tell me more. <laughs> so uh, you've, you've actually built a community where you guys go in and do something interesting. It's called the Lions Club, right? Tell us about that. Yeah, so we have a network. Um, it's kind of two tiered. So I've got my private clients that are, are, you know, we call them our lions, and these are people I work with one on one over the course of a year, and I, I teach them how to invest and how to think about investing and how to negotiate deals and and even how to create uh, a little bit more uh, diversification and cash flow inside of their investment portfolio. And I really limit that to just a handful of people per year. My goal is to do this more as a hobby than anything else. And so I'm not looking to scale it. Uh, and so as that thing uh, fills up, it generally, you know, I, I fill up pretty quickly. And then the overflow of that is into our mastermind. And the Lifestyle Investor Mastermind is, is similar. It's not a one-on-one -on -one thing, but we do meet regularly. We meet several times a month. And part of it is for like deep dives on content and information and other part of it's for deal flow. And so I bring a lot of deals that I myself invest in and I negotiate these terms and I basically hand them out to the rest of my group. And I say, Hey, uh, anyone that wants in, you're welcome to, no one has to, but you're, you can come in at the deal terms that I've negotiated and I don't get anything extra. You know, my, my goal is to get the best deal and then I pass it on to my group. And so that's one of the perks that they get for joining. What are the members trying to learn when they join the line or, or the mastermind? Like, what are they trying to learn and what are you teaching them? 
Yeah. Some people, so everyone's a little bit different. Some people come in and they want to just have deal flow, you know, that they're so busy or they just are, maybe they feel like they're incapable of doing it themselves. My goal is to educate them so that they are capable of doing it themselves. But some of them just want the deal flow and they want that optionality. Others of them want to learn how to do some better tax strategy. So sometimes people come in and and just the way that we're able to do tax strategy with them covers their tuition. You know, we've got other people that come in and they just are sponges and they want to absorb everything and they they're doing it themselves and and they have so many questions and they follow up with speakers that I have and investment opportunities and it's really neat. You've got other people that are there for the community and to bounce ideas off of people and we'll have people there that are like, "Hey, you know, I had these ideas. I was going to invest in this company and the community told me not to, or I spoke with Justin on it and he said, no way. And I didn't. And it ended up flopping. So, you know, you just saved me money for not making a stupid decision. You know, talk about the herd mentality a little, little bit, because I've seen this happen myself. I think I invested in something just because everybody around me was investing. Like Bitcoin is a perfect example right now. It's like on CNN and you're nobody if you're not investing in Bitcoin right now. So people get into these asset classes, but they have no, they haven't done any due diligence. They don't really understand it. All they know is that people around them are investing something. Is there a danger, especially in investment clubs, right? Unless there's, you know, how do you protect people? How do you encourage people to make their own decisions and really do their own diligence? Yeah, you know, it's interesting. You got to be careful with any mainstream media because it's, you know, I, I don't know that it's unbiased information. And, and for a period of time, they were promoting the opposite, you know, of Bitcoin. So it, it's funny, like it depends on the, the season and what's in and what's out. And so I, you just can't trust anything that you see on mainstream media, in my opinion. But, you know, from an investment standpoint, I think it's important to do your homework. And I think it's important to not invest because other people are investing. To me, it's about the education. And first, you know, educate yourself. And then secondly, if you are going to do something, uh, do it with people that have a proven track record, um, both the investors and the sponsors of the deal. And, and make sure that it's not just the situation where people have done well inside of a bull market because almost everyone's done well inside of a bull market. And so to me, you don't want to follow the herd really in anything because when you look at financials, the herd is wrong. Like very few people are financially free or financially successful. You've got such a small percentage of people that are in a good place that could actually take six months off if they wanted to at any point in time. So I don't know that I would trust the herd mentality on finances at all. I mean, I'm more contrarian. I, to me, I think the stock market is way riskier than people realize, uh, especially if you're investing short term and not long term. So I just would say be careful and surround yourself with people that have the experience, they have the track record, and they're willing to teach you. So yeah, we always... Uh, jam up the the stock market and how, how risky it is. You found these, you know, these different types of assets, and they they have this. I think this is a really interesting part of the book that that you said is that you look for these deals that have income multipliers, right? What does that mean, and what what are you looking for with that? Yeah, so if I can kind of enhance the deal, that's really what I'm looking for. So. 
there are a lot of different ways, you know, so like if, if you think of my 10 commandments, you know, specifically, we, we'd be jumping here to like six or seven commandment six or seven. So finding an income amplifier is there are a lot of ways you can do it. One way is by investing and having some sort of a cash bonus, or maybe you negotiate an equity kicker, or maybe you have the opportunity to get your money out quickly, but still have the same amount of equity. Uh, maybe it's uh, negotiating uh, warrants as well, some sort of warrant coverage. I mean, there are a lot of ways that you can negotiate uh, more for your investment. And so the way that the deal shows up is generally not the way that it needs to end. Whatever terms you're getting are good by whoever is probably presenting them. But if, and if they work for you, great. But if they don't work for you, don't be afraid to say, hey, could you do this? Or, hey, I'd be more interested if this were the case. In a lot of deals, you're doing the negotiating. So you can ask for whatever it is that you want. Most of the deals that I do are like a clean slate and it's just starting from scratch and it's figuring out, you know, what those deals look like. You know, with you guys and some of the things you do, I would imagine your deal points are a little bit more set because you've run the numbers and you know where you need to be to make it work. If someone is not investing in a syndication and maybe they're just on a one-off deal with the seller, the sky's the limit. You could put zero down. You could put 5% down. You could sell or finance for 20 years. I mean, there's all kinds of stuff that can happen. I love that. So you got these deals that you you find and you figure this out at, at some point in your life. I, I got to know, how long did it take you to go from you know Vector where we were to being completely financially independent using these principles or, or, you know, as many as you had figured out at that time, how long did that take and what did that look like? Sure. So, you know, for financial freedom. So the first park I bought that created financial freedom for my wife and she was ecstatic, didn't even know what to do with herself, kept thinking that maybe she'd go back to work and pretty soon realized that that probably wasn't what she wanted to do. She enjoys her time to kind of do the things that are most important in her life. And she does a lot of volunteer work too, which is great because that is a passion in her life. For me, I was earning more of an income at that time. So I knew it might take a little bit longer. So within a year, I mean, six months to a year, I was able to replace my wife's income. And then within about two years, a year and a half, uh, I was able to cover our basic expenses. So just bare minimum to survive. So mortgage, utilities, car payment, groceries, just the bare minimum. And then in about a year after that, I covered my lifestyle income, what it costs us to live, which at that time was anywhere from ten dollars to $12,000 a month. And so that ended up just being one more park purchase. And then my income. So I was pretty aggressive at saving. I was saving about 50% of what I made at that time. So I knew that I could walk away sooner than what I did, but I figured I would just keep trying to replace my income rather than just my lifestyle while I had that income coming in and I could aggressively be investing it. And so that's what I did. Um, It took a couple more years and I was able to actually cover the income, not just what it cost me to live. So that way, nothing in our life changed, including our investments. Did not realize that was going to be the case. So I went from being the top income earner of the company that I worked at to, you know, within less than a year, earning double that uh, just because I had the time and space to be able to make other decisions and other investments. I love that. Justin, what do you think, what do you want your legacy to be? 
Well, for me, I just want people to know that they can really have the life that they desire and and it can be in a way that really serves them and their family well. So my legacy is really just, I want my family to have this killer life. Should anything happen to me that they're taking care of? But then I want to teach other people that A, they can have it and B, there's a plan to get there and here's the plan. So for most people, I feel like they don't do this because their mindset says that they can't, it's not even an option. It doesn't register. So I just feel like if I can put this message out in the world that, hey, you can live a really incredible life and you can do it from cash flow and buying assets and you don't have to work a traditional job or work a business that we all know the odds of a business, you know, succeeding over the long haul. Uh, it's not very good. Or, you know, when someone does want to retire, often there's no one to sell it to. There's no uh, if you do sell it, you don't get much. And then that cash flow stops. So rather than doing that, find a way to not wait until retirement to have a good life, but to start today. So that's it. My legacy is that people will hear this message and say, Hey, I can do that. You know, if this guy was able to do it, you know, growing up, you know, super blue collar, super, you know, middle-class, low middle-class with no one around him that was doing the thing he wanted to do. And if he was able to figure it out by reading and connecting with people, then anyone can do it. Other people can do this. So that, that really would be it. That's awesome. Justin, how can people find out more about you? Sure. Well, if anyone wants to get the book, you can get it at lifestyleinvestor.com. I have for your audience, for anyone that goes there, they can buy the book, but I'm going to give it to them for free. They just pay for the shipping. And all the proceeds, whether you buy there or you go to Amazon, wherever you get it, all the proceeds go to a charity called Love Justice International that stops human trafficking, which is you know rampant in, in all across the world. So this group's in 17 different countries stopping kids from being sex trafficked. And it's an incredible organization. So wherever you buy the book, it's going to a good cause. Uh, my goal was to be able to impact people with the educational content portion of it, but to impact the world in a positive way financially. Anyone that wants to check out any of my other products, uh, if you go to justindonald.com, I have an online course, I have a masterclass, a mastermind, a private client practice, but it's really just for right fit people only. And we're, we're on a wait list right now. And then I have a podcast called The Lifestyle Investor. And, you know, I'm really excited for our interview, Michael, on my podcast. And, and so that has been a ton of fun with investors doing great things. And uh, there's a lot to learn because these people all have killer lifestyles and have done really great things in the world of investing. Love it so much, Justin. Justin. It's been a real pleasure to have you on the show, man. Well, thank you. Thanks for having me. This is so fun because you guys do what I do. We started very similarly. And then what you offer, I mean, this is what I talk about in my book. I talk about syndications. I talk about the value of investing with smart people that are able to get good deals, are able to make it work, are able to manage it. So the thing that you do and that you do so well, I just feel like serves the world in an incredible way. And I, I hope your audience recognizes the value and service that you provide them. That's amazing. Justin, thank you so much, man. It has been such a pleasure to reconnect with you in this way and kudos to all your success and, and everything that you're doing for the world right now. Thank you. Thank you, both of you. This was a lot of fun. You know, Justin's a great guy. It's interesting how our, our missions kind of align a little bit where the we talk about the financial vehicle, which is, you know, in lifestyle or freedom. We talk about these these things. 
and it really is a, a means to an end. And and the thing is, we both Justin and I, we really want to talk about the end, which is a, a living a life of purpose and passion. And I think a lot of people want to do that. They they definitely want to live more intentional lives, but it's not what's burning on their mind right now. What's burning on their mind right now is financial freedom. I want to quit my job. I want to control my time. And so we lead with that, but it's only a means to an end. And we didn't get into all 10 commandments because it would, the show would have been too long and gives another people a reason to read the book. But I already like how we started uh, about being clear on your lifestyle that you want. And again, I wasn't doing that. Looking at the, you know, looking at the things that could go wrong. Again, I didn't think about that as, as well. So I think it's a, it's a great mission. Yeah. One thing specifically said is people are clear about what they don't want versus what they do want. And I think that flipping it into the positive side, and he focused a lot on like freeing up your time so that you could spend time planning and actually setting things up the way that you need to do it in, or, in order to live the lifestyle that you want. And I think, you know, I think having that time and, and Michael, you've gone on like, you know, goal retreats, which I think are really cool. You just spend an entire weekend just planning. And there's that reaction, the side of you that wants to react and push and, you know, pour gas on the flame. But then there's also the side of you where you sit back, Hey, what do I really want for my life? What is, what am I planning? What path? And I, I, the more I talk to Justin, the more, you know, you hear that that was a big part of how he is where he is right now is because he took time to actually map out his life. Well, that's the problem. And, and you know, I just want to get stuff done. Like I just, I'm, not, I'm a doer, right? Let's just do it. The, the problem with that is you don't actually think about where, what you're doing and where that's going to take you, you know, and this is the, so I, I used to downplay the whole, oh, collate your vision, your clarity, you know, get your mind straight. Like it was all a bunch of hooey to me. And I no longer, I no longer think that because the problem is, you know, as action oriented as I am, for example, I don't have paralysis analysis, right? I have the opposite of it. I have like, <laughs> yeah, where should I run to? I'm just going to start running. And if, if I run into a wall, I'll figure it out. Right. And so there's, there's something to be said for taking action, but a lot of it has to do around clarity. And we talk about clarity a lot in our, in our dealmaker certification course. The first chapter is around creating clarity. And the reason I put that chapter in there is for the same exact reason, because it does you no good to take a bunch of action in a direction that won't lead you to where you want to go because you don't know where you're going. I, I thought it was interesting that he put that first because it kind of opened up the door for the next one, which which was reduce the risk. So I think when and when you guys read the book, you'll see that every step is is really intentional in the way that it's put together. You know, it starts with you know lifestyle first. So pay attention to that. That's your clarity. That's your vision. Whatever. And then it's okay. How do I reduce the risk? I'm not just throwing cash in a stock market or in Bitcoin or whatever, hoping it goes up or down because that's the silliest way to just lose all the cash that you just made. So I thought it was pretty interesting that that was his second point was how do we reduce the risk? And I thought it was very important. Yeah. So definitely check out his book, The Lifestyle Investor and the podcast by the same name. Um, also, we did talk about you know the opportunity to invest in, in passive opportunities. So if you're interested in investing in one of ours, check us out at nighthawkequity.com. That's our investment firm. Uh, Gary and I are partners in there. We have Drew Niffen as our third partner. And uh, click the join button where you can join our investor club and uh, schedule a call with us. And uh, if we think that the fit is right, we can share with you some of our upcoming opportunities. That is at nighthawkequity.com. And then click the join button again. Do not forget about Dealmaker Live at dealmakerliveevent.com. And we hope to see you guys in Dallas. See you guys next time. Thanks for listening to the Apartment Building Investing Podcast with Michael Block. For more free podcasts, articles, and videos, go to the Michael Block. 
www.thesecrettoraising.com. There, you can also download the free ebook, The Secret to Raising Money to Buy Your First Apartment Building. Till next time.